Now, the other pod we were talking about was our favorite seasons in Met history. A couple of comments about that. Let's go to Tim S. Tim writes, I don't know. I know it doesn't exactly compare to 2006 or 2015. Would have loved to hear some mention of the 2019 season. So many guys outperformed expectations or had incredible individual seasons. J.D. Davis, Michael Conforto, Ahmed Rosario, Jeff McNeil, Seth Lugo, Pete Alonso, Jacob DeGrom. There were also so many magical moments. Todd Frazier and Luis Guillorme in the Nat Series in August. J.D.'s walk-off, Dom's walk-off to end the year. Maybe I'm biased because it was our first exciting season in a few years or because I was at quite a, those ga- quite a few of those games. But I'm convinced that if we turn things around a week or two earlier, that we could have made a serious run in October. If you read this on the pod, give a shout out to my buddy Jesse, who introduced me to the Rico in the first place. Love the pod. Best of all. Best of luck to you and Pete in the new year. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Jesse. I will tell you why, respectfully, 2019 is like a pimple on my ass. Well, I don't like 2019. Now, I respect you love it. That's the beauty of a podcast of what was your favorite season. You can love what I hate. I'll tell you why I hate 2019. Pete, let's play a game. Say, Evan, what do you think of when you think of 2019? Evan, let me ask you a question. What really sticks out to you when I say the Mets in 2019? Brutal losses. (laughs) So many of them. So many of them. Edwin Diaz in Los Angeles. The drop pop-up in San Francisco. The freaking Kurt Suzuki game against the Nationals in September. You know, the same Nationals team that was a wild card team, won a wild card game, and by the way, won the whole freaking thing. Like, that season, and I get what Tim is saying. Oh, there were so many great moments. There were so many exciting things. You're not wrong. There were some exciting things. But you know what outweighed the exciting things? All the kicking the ball losses. 2019 was chock full of awful losses. Like, there were a lot of seasons that kind of mixed together. Yeah, you almost don't forget a lot, or you don't remember a lot, I should say. 2019 is a year I'm convinced, like 15 years from now, I'm going to remember. And you're going to say it, and I'm going to say, yeah, Edwin Diaz sucking in LA. Like, it's just going to jump out at me because they did have a lot of those. You're going to have a lot of Jesse Winker. Ugh. Nightmares. Ugh. <laughs> God, there's so many of them. But and it, can I, let me just say something. Though, first of all, when we have bad seasons, by the way, we usually have bad seasons. It doesn't just go like, oh, you know, it was a waste yes. of a season. We, we usually have brutal losses after brutal losses after brutal losses. And it, they are just, they're daggers. It's never just a, you know what, the season was a wash, whatever. That's what made that season so unique. You're right. Like, just think about in our lifetime, how many times the Mets have been over 500. That's it. Just over 500, right? So think about this. Uh, Let's start this kind of run after the Valentine era. So under 500 and 02, under 500 and 03, under 500 and 04, a little over 500 and 05, but they collapsed in September. Great year in 06. Over 507 and 08, but they collapsed both seasons, right? Under 509, under 510, under 511, under 512, under 513, under 514. Get to the World Series in 15. Get to the wild card game in 16. 
under 517, under 518, 19, like the odd year of being good, but not good enough. Under 520, under 521 collapse, 100 wins in 2022, under 523. So when you think about it, we're either under 500 and sucking or above 500 and something is a big is happening. Like we're going to the World Series or we're collapsing. Like there's no in between. There's there's no, you know, Yankee like, ah, it was a quiet 85 win season. Like we don't have those things. It's weird. No, and that's what makes our fan base so I don't want to say impulsive, but like anxious every year. Like that's what makes us really great. Someone was talking to me about this. Like they were talking about the podcast today and they were literally saying, We're not really sure. Is it Evan that's just really amazing? Or the Mets fans are just diehard. And it really is. The Mets fan is so locked into every single game, every single season, because every game is impactful. It, it, it doesn't make a difference how good or bad a We're year We're sick. Is. We're sick Fs, <laughs> as they say. Most writes, the greatest Mets season. I absolutely agree putting the 97 season in the top five. They came out of nowhere after six straight losing seasons. And what made it even better, if you remember, they started that season like three and 10 before they got hot in May. I'll tell you what I remember about that motion. 1997, the Mets began the season on the road. This was the only year Major League Baseball tried what I'm about to describe. They tried a warm weather schedule to start the season. So if you were in a cold weather climate, you would play on the road. You would not play at home. So the New York Mets and the New York Yankees, two cold weather climate teams without a dome, started on the West Coast. And they started on the West Coast for a long, long time. And I remember hating it. Like the first game of the year was against the Padres opening day. The new look bullpen completely imploded. Ricky Henderson danced around hitting a home run off of uh, Toby Borland or Ricardo Jordan, one of those two uh, clowns. And the Mets lost the first game against San Diego, and they actually began their season, I'm going to say three and six. I don't have it in front of me, but it was like three and six. They then come home to start the year. This is so vivid in my mind. I can't remember if this game made the cut in my book that's coming out. April 3rd, by the way. It's called My Mets Bible, April 3rd. You can actually pre-order it on Amazon now. I'm not even kidding you. If you go to Amazon and search Evan Roberts, there's a couple of uh, books about this Welsh guy named Evan Roberts. And then when you get to the fourth book, you'll actually see my Mets Bible. It exists. And I forgot if I took this game off because in this book, I publish 81 games, my most memorable 81 games that I scored in Mets history. A lot of wins, a lot of losses all mixed in. And I think this one was on the cut. And that was opening day 1997, the home opener, because they started all these games on the road. They didn't open on a Friday. They said, no, 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 the Yankees open on a Friday. We don't want to be embarrassed by the defending world champions. So they had Thursday and Friday off. They were scheduled to open on a Saturday, and Saturday got rained out. So they opened the season with a doubleheader on Sunday against the San Francisco Giants, in which there was nobody in the building because it wasn't even really opening day. We got screwed out of an opening day in 1997. And I don't even remember what happens in the doubleheader, but you're right, Mosh. We got off to a bad start. We sucked. And then, obviously, they turned the season around and sort of got into the playoff race. So, I agree with you. Oh, this, this one's going to piss you off, Pete. I'm telling you right now. Clayton's email, you're not going to like. 
What is that? Why? I want to point out two things about the 2022 season and the 2015 season. I'm kind of siding with Pete on the 2015 season. Oh, so it's pissing me off, not you off. My bad. <laughs> Good. Let's go, Clayton. <laughs> that season wasn't great until August. Those last two months were about as fun as it got, but let's not forget the team was no hit twice that season. One by Chris freaking Heston and the other by Max Scherzer. There was a lot of painful moments in 2015, even though it ended up being great. I was also, I would, I also think at the sting, as the sting of 2022 wears off in the coming years, you're going to feel a little differently about that season. I agree with a lot of what you said, and I hated the fact that they couldn't win a damn game in Atlanta, but there were a ton of fun moments that season that helped make it special. The win against the Cardinals at Bush Stadium, when they put up like five runs in the ninth inning, they had a similar win against the Phillies later in the season, the no-hitter, all that. There were countless wins that were a bunch of fun. Remember Nimmo's catch against the wall against the Dodgers? How great was that? The trumpets with Diaz. I mean, it was a fun, fun season that ended horribly. While it may not top 2006 for you, I think eventually you'll feel differently about 2022 once the sting wears off a bit. By the way, here's the problem with me ever liking 2022. You know what would make me like 2022? That's not good. If we suck for the next 10 years, if we're bad for a long period of time, yeah, I may wistfully look back at the year we won 100 games and say that was fun. But if this team is back in the postseason in 24 or 25 and 26, I don't know, man. It's going to be very tough to imagine thinking of the 2022 season in some kind of positive way. Pete Gargano writes the case for 2019. Big fan of the podcast. You guys are keeping Mets talk alive in this lackluster offseason so far. I like. I feel like the 2019 season was one of my favorites, and I'm surprised it wasn't mentioned. How about that? another 2019 mention? Aside from Edwin, <laughs> this makes me laugh. Aside from Edwin Diaz imploding at every closing opportunity, <laughs> I feel like there was a lot of excitement that season. The Pete Alonso chase for the rookie home run record was thrilling. Jacob DeGrom asserted himself as the best pitcher on the planet. Jeff McNeil also established himself as a true contender for the batting crown as well. Seth Lugo emerged as one of the most dominant relievers in baseball. There were a number of memorable wins, including Conforto's walk-off double against the Nats in August when it seemed like there was a chance they could get to the playoffs, as well as Dom's walk-off pinch at home run in the final game of the season after he had missed months of the year due to injury. I just feel like this seemed to be the beginning of a budding core, and that was new and exciting when compared to the two prior years. I can't get over the losses. I mean, think about what Pete said. Outside of Edwin Diaz blowing every imaginable opportunity, I can't can't just move on from that. It's a a tough one. It's official. The Mets fans love pain. (laughs) (laughs) That is true. And finally... This is an email that's very, very fresh. It was sent within an hour of us doing this podcast and has everything to do with my beard. I have not cut my beard. I have not cut any of my hair, as I declared about a month and a half ago, out of loyalty to Pete Alonzo. I will not shave until Pete Alonzo is extended. And as Pete Hoffman will describe, and maybe you've gotten a chance to see on SNY, uh, my beard is getting very thick. Is that a way, is that a way to describe it, Pete? It's a, and I got to be honest, it's it's gorgeous. It really is. Like, I, I love that beard. 
Don't I, I I this is you should be very proud of this. Well, Frank V disagrees. <laughs> Frank writes in the subject line why you need to shave your beard and cut your hair. Your poor <laughs> wife. I'm kidding mostly, but I do think what you and a lot of others need to realize is that the Mets are not extending Pete Alonso this offseason. And I'm perfectly fine with it. Your argument of one less thing to do next year is borderline lazy. A good front office should be able to chew gum and walk at the same time. Why not extend them? It's really simple. Make him play for a contract in 2024. It's clear that the Mets are going to add a game-changing bat to the... I'm sorry. It's clear the Mets are not going to add a game-changing bat to the lineup this year. Maybe at best a solid DH, but not someone that boasts the offense to tops in the league. But you know what you can... But you know what can do that? A historic season from a power-hitting player set to get his generational wealth. The Pete Alonso playing for the 2024 is worth 12 more home runs, 25 more RBIs, 50 more slugging points, and the one who's just locked up security for himself and his family forever. End of story. Don't extend Pete. Stearns won't. Cohen won't. They're aligned. Make him play and offer him the biggest deal next year. Mets hold all the cards. Pete practically begging to stay a Met forever. And if the Mets offer him more money than anyone else next year and he walks, he looks like a complete tool. Boris is probably telling him to keep his trap shut and avoid Ranger games. (laughs) Paranoia that he'll walk because of hurt feelings and things that have happened in Mets history decades ago are irrelevant to what's happening in reality today. Yes, that is a shot at every argument your old partner ever makes about why things happen. Bro, remember what happened 40 years ago with this franchise? Oh, the pain. Stop it, Joe. You sound ridiculous yelling at the same cloud every Saturday morning. Wow, Frank managed to take shots at me and Joe in the same email. (laughs) All right, a lot to address here. Yeah, you can walk and chew gum at the same time, of course. But next offseason, If Pete Alonso is a free agent, there will be teams bidding on him. Yeah, the Mets could simply just offer him the most money. They could offer Juan Soto the most money. They could offer Shane Bieber the most money. I do think it makes things easier to not have six free agents you need to sign. Because I do want them to target Juan Soto. Like this lineup, this core, the Mets have a good core. Do they have a great core? No, they have a good core. They have a core of good players. Francisco Lindor is a really good player. Pete Alonso, very good. Brandon Nimmo, good. Jeff McNeil, up and down good. What I would want to do to that core is add to it. Now, they're going to have a chance to add to it with youth, especially over the next couple of years. But if you could add a generational bat like Juan Soto, not to replace Pete Alonso, to add to Pete Alonso, I'd love to see it. I think that could take the Mets to the next level. The same with adding the starting pitchers we talked about earlier in the podcast. So I don't think it's crazy or lazy to say, yeah, I want to get this thing done with him now because I don't want the Mets to have to have the priority of five or six moves they have to get done next offseason. Number one. Number two, the motivation thing, dude, is that do you really believe that? Like for every Aaron Judge, which I know is so fun to cite, I'll name you other guys who sucked in their free agent year. Cody Bellinger sucked in his free agent year. Then he signed a one-year deal with the Cubs and was great in his free agent year. Do you think he was not motivated in his last year in LA, but he was motivated in the one year he had in Chicago? 
So I, I just, I think we oversimplify that. Oh, motivate him. He'll have a big year. Do you think Aaron Judge, uh, look, Aaron Judge was motivated, but do you think Aaron Judge got hurt last year in Los Angeles because he wasn't in a contract year? Do you think Aaron Judge got hurt a few years earlier diving for fly ball in right field against the Angels in September because it wasn't a contract year? Or is it possible Aaron Judge was lucky last year or two years ago? Sometimes we make this too simple. Ah, he was motivated. That's why he had a big year. Ah, Pete will be motivated. He'll have a big year. Not everyone plays like that. Is it possible Pete Alonso kind of grabs the bat too tight this year and struggles? And so you can say, well, that's a good thing, Evan. You'll get him for less. You may get him for less, but Pete Alonso has a bad year this year. The Mets' chances of winning aren't good. So I disagree with a lot of that. But I do appreciate the email, Frank. And uh, no, I-, I can't have it out. I set out a loyalty to Pete. I will keep my hair growing. So unless I negotiate some kind of truce with uh, the figures on my radio show, I'm going to let the beard grow because it turns Pete Hoffman on. It he, does. He likes it, it. It it really does. But here's the other thing, too. Is I'm going to take uh, the the listener side of this one. He's not going to sign this year. And it's be, it's be the smartest thing for the Mets to do because I think if, if Pete Alonso signs this offseason, it's going to be because – Cohen forces Stern's hand, and that's not what I want. I want David Stern's to make all the decisions. I want it to be like Stern's says, you know what? Pete Alonso is going to be here. He's going to be a lifelong Met, and that's because I want him to be here, not because I'm being told by my owner. No, so that's, that, that's the smart thing to do, and I, I understand that that might not be it's – a, it's a tough pill to swallow because you're right. His price is going to skyrocket next year because he's going to have a good season. He's going to do the same thing he does every year. 40 home runs, 100-plus RBIs. He's going to bat better than 225, and he's going to play a better defense at first base than we've ever seen. Well, from your lips to God's ears, as they say. We do appreciate all the emails, the RicoB at gmail.com. I do want to inform you that we have said we're going to do our big rewatch this year of Game 7 of the 2006 NLCS. If you haven't had a chance to watch it or you have during the holidays, I'll give you a date on when we will do the rewatch episode we're scheduling it for the Sunday before the Super Bowl, Sunday, February 4th. So the Sunday, February 4th, Rico Bronia, that will be when we go down memory lane and we do a whole podcast after we've rewatched one of the most painful losses in the history of the New York Mets. But listen, why the hell not? Game seven of the 2006 National League Championship Series. I'm looking forward to that, but I do have to add there was a signing during this podcast. Um, I'm not sure if you noticed this at all, but uh, Korean right-hander Wu Suk-go was signed by the Padres. He's going to be their closer, most likely. Yes, I did see that. I wrote his name down earlier in the <laughs> offseason as, I know, there's just so many jokes, right, uh, as a potential bullpen target. Uh, the Mets were never linked to him. I didn't see the kind of money that he got, but yeah, another international player off the market, Korean right-hander Wu Suk-go signing with the San Diego Padres. Do we talk about the other Japanese pitcher that, that we're considering? That- no, but by the way, like his timetable's moving because I think the posting date ends very soon for him. So I, look, here's the, I kind of go back and forth on it because much like Yamamoto, I guess it's maybe different because we were told how dominant Yamamoto is and the age of him. But I, I just, 
I don't know. I, I mean, I hate to say it. I like my view on it is I just don't know. I, I, I've read that one of the contracts he's projected to get is like a five-year, $85 million year. And we're talking about Shota Imanaga. God, I can never get his name right. His nickname is the Throwing Philosopher. He's the 29-year-old left-handed. <laughs> Shota, I know, what a great nickname, right? The Throwing Philosopher. And I have such a tough time saying his last name. That's literally what I would call him. But his posting deadline is coming up real soon. So I haven't heard many teams attached to him. So maybe it'll be a surprise on who he ends up with. But look, my whole point earlier on, rewind if you missed it. I want to have another guy that's locked in for next year. So the Mets aren't trying to build a rotation from scratch. But we'll talk more about this in the next Rico. If you haven't downloaded or haven't subscribed to Rico Bruno, you should do it on the Odyssey app or wherever you download your podcast. We appreciate you listening. All emails, the RicoB at gmail.com. Check out Pete with Sal and BT 10 a.m. on the fan, me and Tiki 2 o'clock on the fan. Thanks for listening to Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. <laughs>